The Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Reaper Apparel Company. Reaper Apparel offers a casual line of superb fit, finish, and comfort. We design for those who refuse to die slowly and choose to live untamed. For those who aren't afraid to face the dark, for the ones that thrive in it, and for those who can appreciate life through a grim lens. That's Reaper Apparel Company. Go to the link in the description of this episode, use the promo code Mike Bono, and get 10% off. Also, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by my own personal merch store, the Stupid Should Hurt merch store. I have hats, I have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, water bottles, notebooks, you name it, I've got it. The description and the link for that will be in the description of this episode. Also, right now, if you use the promo code WELCOME, I will give you 5% off of your first purchase. That's the Stupid Should Hurt merch store. Also, the Rod Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Tactical Brotherhood. All-American-made apparel, which helps support the Second Amendment. You can also find all this in the description of this episode with the link, Tactical Brotherhood. Part of every proceed does go to helping veterans, as it is a very good cause. All American-made products made right here in Minnesota. Go and check them out. Use the promo code PATRIOT15 to get 15% off your purchase. Now, let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ride Home Rants podcast. This is, as always, your host, Mike Bono. I have another great guest for us today, a woman who is not only an English teacher, but she's also an actress, too, as well. I've seen her in probably many things, but I have Ashley Lawson joining the show today. Ashley, thank you for joining the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Not a problem. <laughs> Glad you're excited. Um, so what led you into, well, one, uh, teaching in English and then tra- trying to transition to the role of actress? Um, so I have actually always been an actress um, since I was probably late elementary school, early middle school is when I really um, knew that's what I wanted to do. Unfortunately, nobody in my family has been really into the arts or anything like that. Not that I don't have creative people in my family, but nobody else that really wanted to genuinely pursue it. So um, my mother, bless her heart, did the best she could trying to figure out different avenues. And, you know, at that time there was just books. The internet was just up and coming. So they didn't have access to everything we have access to these days. And um, so she tried as best she could and just ended up kind of falling into that, um, safety thing and going to college and getting a degree in English education. Um, I was originally a broadcast journalism major, but was 0% interested in all of the computer classes <laughs> I had to take for that. So um, it quickly became a English major. And then at some point I had to decide what I was going to do with an English major. And honestly, teaching was the easiest option. Um, yeah, I love the kids and teaching, but that's about all I can say. 
I, I don't mean to have this surprised look on my face, but you've basically just described me. Um, <laughs> being a comedian, like it, it was the weirdest thing telling my parents, like, hey, I'm going to do comedy. And they're just the, just the look on their face was just like, no, you're not going to do that. That's nobody in our family does that. You're yeah. My dad's a, a steel mill worker. My mom's a nurse. Uh, my grandparents came from uh, immigrant uh, pa- uh, parents and everything like that. So everything was just blue collar. You need to work. You're going to college. You're going to get a degree. I got my degree in broadcast journalism. And <laughs> you did better than i did then (laughs) i I, I would love to say i did i'm not in broadcast journalism at all (laughs) other than this podcast is the only thing that i'm using my degree for i've done sales jobs but mostly comedy too as well but just when you said i was broadcast journalism nobody in my family's artsy nobody likes entertainment (laughs) and i was like wow this is like the female version of me right now yes (laughs) yes fortunately my family was very supportive they just they didn't know how to help um like help me pursue my dreams kind of thing and and you know when i was wanting to do it it was you absolutely, it was still that thing of you absolutely had to either go to California or New York. So there was like this impeding deadline of when I was going to leave. And I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm here in the Dallas Fort Worth area now. And so I left anyway, but we're a lot more blessed now than back then because you can, with self-tapes and everything, and even with COVID, everything has pretty much moved to self-tapes. You can audition for anything, anywhere. (laughs) So it's um, definitely a lot easier now, I think, than what it used to be. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I've seen, I've, I follow a lady, lady on Facebook. She does like, I don't say low budget movies, but she, she helps uh, cast for low budget movies and actually had me audition for a couple just filming in my living room for yeah stuff. And it's like, wow, you don't need to be in New York or LA or just some mm-hmm. big major city anymore. COVID is kind of put an end to that really needing to be in that big city. And it was weird to me at first because they just emailed me the lines they wanted me to say. And I was like, all right, they know I'm a comedian. They, I and mean, they sent me like the most serious role possible. How in the hell am I going to be able to do this? But um, obviously I, I didn't get the part, but I mean, it was still <laughs> fun, but it was weird auditioning to myself, I would say, yeah. just me filming on my phone in, in my living room. Like it was. Yeah. Self taping is an art in and of itself. I mean, there's people classes even that are specifically for learning how to self tape. It has its own setup and, and it's really kind of its own art and its own science in and of itself. Uh, and you know, it's interesting. I find that even though it is its own art and its own science, there's still no correct formula to it for lack of a better way to phrase it, because depending on who you talk to, some people will say, 
slate at the beginning. Other people will tell you slate at the end. Some people will say, give you one frame of reference, like where to film yourself from. And other people will give you a different one. Some people will tell you your whole body needs to be in your slate. Other people will tell you, no, you just need to keep it the frame that the casting director is looking for. And so it's just like, I eventually got to, um, in the whole idea of whether or not to use props and things like that. And I'm just like, you know what? I am going to stop thinking so hard about this self-tape and trying to get it perfect as far as all of the rules that are not even real because they're not even written anywhere and just do whatever feels right. So if that means I need a pad of paper and a pen to make it look like I'm being a a receptionist, then that's what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, if it keeps me from getting the part, then, then that's that. But I know that I'm sending in an audition that I feel confident about. So. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's probably my downfall, uh, because I was not confident in what I sent in. I was like, there's no way they're going to accept this. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, they told me to play an alcoholic basically. And I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, I can stumble around a little bit and had a beer in my hand and they were like, just go with it. We're looking maybe for extras too, that we could add into it and you'll play two roles. I was like, so wait, you want me for two roles? Like what, what, what do you want me to do? Just tell me what to do. And so I read the lines that they gave me and it was trying to pick up women and I've been married for five years. I don't know how to do that anymore. So it's just, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. And it's just like, uh, here's, yeah, this is what I used to do, I guess. I don't know. And apparently it worked because I'm married. So I don't know. It's yeah. just- <laughs> well, um, I look back at some of my very first self tapes for things that I submitted in comparison to things that I've done more recently when I've kind of learned the tricks of the trade and I am like, ooh, yeah, I know why I didn't book that. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was one movie. I just, they sent me the roles and I was just like, I don't think I could do this. There, there's no way I could actually say that I was in this movie that they, they're filming. And they, they've already started filming for it. And, it, and it's, the name of the movie, I mean, I, I say it all the time, but it, it was called Fuck Off, but it was spelled F-A-K-K-O-F-F in one word. And I asked them, I was just like, it, how do you, what's the name of the movie? And they phonetically sent it to me. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I can't, I can't in good conscience say I was in the movie Fuck Off. So like, Yeah, just, yeah. So... I saw where, I mean, you said you were at a very young age uh, getting into acting and you actually done some theater work too as well, correct? Or you started- I've done a little bit of theater. That's where I started, but that's, I mean, that's not really where my passion is. Um, I've, but it was fun while I was doing it. Um, That was kind of my teenage years were spent in the theater did a lot of fun things. I got to play the Red Fairy in Sleeping Beauty. So I've been a bad guy, and that was fun. Um, played the Queen in Many Moons. That was also really fun. I loved the dress that the costume department gave me for that. It made me feel quite regal. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, I've done some I've done some fun stuff in the theater. Um, learned a lot of good things being in there. But film and television is for sure where my passion is. So that's kind of where I stay these days. <laughs> that's yeah. I was gonna say I was if you were still into it. Where is there even a theater that's putting on plays? I have no idea where there would even be one. But it seems like everything that can be on stage is now going over to either a TV series or a movie about that or something along those lines. Are you starting yeah. to get the feel? We'll be back after a quick break. Big lady energy. What if I eat a little cheese every day? <laughs> Just it's, keep it. It's like I have a tolerance. Yeah. For cheese. Good Same job with cats. Your tolerance. Like if I pet a cat every day for the first week or two. I thought you were going to say if I eat a cat a little bit every day. <laughs> starting at the tail and just ate a little bit. Then I'd be fine. But if I didn't eat a cat for three months. I would totally start at the face. Why yeah. would you start at the tail? If someone put a gun to my head and said, eat this cat. I'm trying to think of we're an acceptable talking about scenario. A feline, right? <laughs> oh, did you think I was talking about pussy? Maybe. It could go there. I don't want to eat a cat. I want to eat a pussy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I feel like it's been a, a thing kind of happening for years with taking Broadway plays and putting them on TV. But to me, as somebody that enjoys being in the theater, there's just there's something magical about being in a theater that you can't get from a movie. There's a lot more that you have access to with it being in a movie as far as set work, special effects, all of that fun stuff. But um, taking it back old school and just watching it in the theater is there's just something about it that brings me a different kind of joy than sitting and watching it on a TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've seen my fair share of plays. I've actually been in one in uh, college. One of my fraternity brothers basically conned me into being in one of his plays. He was he was producing and. I had fun with it. I mean, I got to play a soldier uh, for the play Dog Sees God. And it started with, you're not going to have any lines. I just need soldiers to stand there. And then when the dancers come out, I basically just need you to pick them up and move them over to the other side of stage. That's all you're going to have to do. And then it started adding lines into it. I was like, dude, did you really just con me into being in a play? Like, all right. You can't take it back. You already said yes. Yeah, and it, it was mainly because I needed him to help me type a paper because I had a cast on my hand. I already had it written. Uh, and he was like, I'll type this for you if you'll just audition. And I mean, he, he goes, I, I guarantee you probably won't even get the part. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll audition. Sure, go ahead. Put it, <laughs> type away, my man. And I showed up the next day and he just started giving me the role. I was like, all right, so what do you want me to do for the audition? He goes, oh, no, you're already in. You mother. All right. He got you. He He got you. He played me so hard. And I was like, all right, that's one. You get one. I'll I'll give you one. And from then on out, he was like, hey, and I would just go, nope, to whatever you're about to say next. And now, yeah. Nope. Only once. You know. Uh, Oh, my goodness. I had fun with it, um, and I think that's kind of what got me started into wanting to be a comedian, because I had never really wanted to do it. Um, everyone was trying to to tell me, that you should be a comedian, dude. You should go up and do stand-up. You should do this. You're funny. You're so funny. You're hysterical. 
just get on stage. And I was like, you have no idea the crippling stage fright that I have when I first started out, that it was just to the point where I would look at the stage and physically start to get nauseous, not even being up there, just knowing I was going up there made me so sick. And it's weird now to see like, oh my God, I was so nervous. Like I still have my very first set on my phone and I'd watch it from time to time. I was like, did I ever stand still? Like I just paced the whole time I was on stage and I knew it was because nerves and my legs were shaking and I didn't want yeah. to see. That energy had to get out somewhere. And I, yeah. And to the point now where I still move around a lot on stage, but it's more for my act and for my sets that it, it helps the jokes, not because I have to move because of my legs are shaking, but it was just weird to me. Like just seeing me from, Never thinking I'd be able to be on stage. Fast forward nine years later, now it's just second nature for me to run on stage, grab the microphone, and just start talking to a room full of strangers. Did you have anything like that when you were first? I know you were kind of in your teenage years, but when you first started getting into acting and everything like that, was there any type of stage fright or anything like that? Absolutely. Um, Especially in the theater, it was kind of, you know, if you made it through that first night, that first performance, it was kind of steady going from there, at least for me. Um, But when we were doing in-person auditions or even sometimes, sometimes here in the DFW area, they still will hold callbacks in person because they want to see who you are. They want to talk to you in person, get a feel for your personality. And I used to get very nervous about those kind of in-person things. But as I've sat in acting classes, I've learned that you are walking into that room because you've been invited to be there. Those people that are sitting in that room want to see you succeed. That's the reason that you're there. So it's like when there was that mindset shift of they are wanting me to be as successful as I'm looking to be. It kind of changed it into um, like you're going in there and these people hold your fate in their hands to it being we're working as a team here to try to see if we can make this fit. And if not, maybe somewhere else down the line, but it um, just making that shift to it being a team effort helped a lot. And it, it used to happen sometimes with even self-tapes at the beginning, because I'm like, again, going back to how I used to think about it of, oh, is this right? Is my framing right? Do they want to see my whole body? Just like all of this traffic in my brain, basically, um, that used to be really nerve wracking. And then when I was doing that, I wasn't giving my best foot forward in the actual audition because I was thinking about everything but the scene itself. So it's, Yes, I used to. I've gotten better about it. I can't say that I'm completely cured of the stage fright, but it's definitely not as bad as it used to be. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I still get a little bit of liquid courage in me when I go on stage. Not as much as I used to have to have to go on stage, but it's it's still there. Um, But it's just it's it's a wild ride, I'll say, especially for me being a. part-time comedian, part-time salesman too, as well, you know, and the differences between my day job and being on stage. And I'm sure it's the same for you, maybe not as much as me. And I get in trouble a lot at my day job because of my mouth, 
because the filter from your ear to your mouth is supposed to stop everything that comes into your head from coming out of your mouth is gone from nine years of doing comedy. And <laughs> it basically if it pops into my head, it comes out of my mouth. And I got to look at people and be like, I'm so sorry. I, I do comedy on the side. And sometimes I don't think before I speak. And yeah, that, that came out of my mouth and I'm sorry, <laughs> but just yeah. some of the things in like, to the point where my manager actually came up to me one day and he goes, did you really say that to a customer? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that came out of my mouth and I know you heard it. I saw you and it still didn't stop it. It just, I don't know what happened. He goes, well, what did the customer do? I went, they bought a lot of stuff off of me, but it still didn't sound that professional. Thank God there was nobody higher than you here because I would be in so much trouble if if they heard that. But I always tell my manager, too, as well, because the way I got this job, it was weird because I'd worked there before uh, under a different management team. And it was basically the reason I left. And I was just going in to pick up furniture that I had ordered and they were desperate for people because of covid yeah i'm in basketball shorts a t-shirt and this hat this is stupid should hurt on it which is part of my own merch line and they were like oh yeah he'll he'll, he'll probably take you back we'll he'll interview you right on the spot i was like i don't think i'm in any sort of condition to be interviewed and he just walks out he goes oh hey michael right yeah come sit down let's talk and he interviewed me right then and there and just I was sweating because I was doing yard work too as well. I hadn't like shaved in like a month. So I had this big burly grizzly man beard, this hat on and just street clothes. And he hired me on the spot. So who's really at fault here? Like it's <laughs> you knew right from the get-go what you were getting into. And I haven't changed. And like, I, I refuse to change who I am as a person. Um, for anything, for a role or like that, or even when they're like, all right, we need um, a comedian for this, but you can't do jokes about X, Y, and Z. I was like, well, there's my entire act. So no, yeah. I'm going to write new jokes just for, for one set. That's 10 minutes. I'm not, not going to do that uh, because I've paved my way doing these jokes and they're still getting laughs. So who's, yeah. who's really at fault here? We'll be back after a quick break. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Let's let's not try to fix what's not broken. Right. And uh, I'm always of the mindset of, you know, if it's not broke, why are we trying to fix it? Why yeah. why fix We're trying to trying to reinvent the wheel? In my day job, that's I find there's a lot of that of trying to reinvent the wheel. Like, why? Just why? Let's just talk about Common Core math for a minute. Like, <laughs> why? Because no, we we don't like math. We've already discussed yeah, this. I hate math. I, I've learned through COVID fifth grade math, and I am out being able to help my son. 
um, with anything. And he he brought me something the other day and he's in seventh grade now. And I was just like, dude, go ask your mother. I have no idea. Um, yeah. she's, you know, she's way smarter than me. I do comedy, man. You know what I do for a living. Like, go ask your mother. You sure you know? And if it's English, forget it. My wife is forever <laughs> correcting my grammar and it is brutally honest too as well, which is I, I, I need it because I was born and raised in West Virginia and the word ain't is just built into my psyche and that makes her skin crawl when she hears the word ain't. And I don't even realize I'm saying it half the time to the point where she look at me and go, what did you say? And I'll say it again. Oh, I, I ain't did nothing. And she was what? And she'll keep saying what until I realize what I'm saying. Oh, I didn't do anything like, and it just, ah. do you See, have so that being an English? I'm- so here's a funny thing about the word ain't. So I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm from Tennessee. And so it's a pretty common word that's used there as well. But when I was growing up, um, we grew up around my mom's side of the family. And I have twin female cousins that are nine months older than me. So we basically grew up being sisters, essentially. And we would try to say the word ain't. And our moms would always tell us that it wasn't a word. So it quickly got the habit out of us because eventually we just quit even like trying to say it because we knew we could have said anything else and it would have probably gone right over their head. But for some reason, that was a trigger word for them. And they're both from Oklahoma. So I don't know if that was just like something that really irritated them when they were growing up. But yeah, we were not allowed to say it because to our mothers, that was not a word. But to answer your question, I find, um, you know, I can deal with a lot of the um, like short terminology, all of the acronyms for how things are um, if I know what they mean, which I know most of them. But I find that texting and text language is messing up writers because I it's funny you asked me this because I um, was just grading some persuasive essays last week. And I cannot tell you how many kids turned in essays that were just one long giant run on sentence. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? I don't like I didn't even know where one sentence was trying to be ended and another one was trying to begin because there's no capital letters. And I'm like, finally, I just got done with it. And if I saw one big, long run on sentence or no capitalization, I just put in the feedback. I'm like, this is one long run on sentence. Fix it if you want me to grade it. Because <laughs> I'm just I'm not going to sit here and try to figure that out. <laughs> that, yeah, the the texting world is. It's going to be the death of humanity. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to be blunt with that because yeah, for I agree with you. For every point of the day, my son is always just in his phone, just and it's uh huh yeah uh huh yeah. I was like, dude, just put your phone down for a second and have a conversation with somebody. And I, I can't. It's a he's a 12 year old and he's almost a teenager. And I'm just I'm not ready for a teenager. I'm just going to be honest because he's and he's the size of a grown man to, to boot. It, it doesn't help anything. It, I mean, he's 12 and he's five foot eight, 205 pounds. He's he's, he's a big kid. And it's just like, dude, you're getting too big for me now. Like, just do what you're told, please. So we don't have to embarrass one another. And yeah. It just I'm, I'm done i'm out just go to your room 
Just well, I don't know. I don't know what's worse because I because I teach English and I kind of have a pet peeve about writing when I'm texting people. I always spell out words the way they're supposed to be. Like I don't use um, acronyms or short shortened versions of words, things like that. And what cracks me up is I'll be texting my mom or something and she'll text me back and say things like, IDK and stuff like that. And I'm like, who are you? Spell the word out. Just spell it out. <coughs> I used to do that to my wife all the time, but I'd be the one sending the shorthand. And when I would send IDK, she would literally just reply back, my BFF Jill. <laughs> IDK, my BFF Jill. Like she would just reply back to that till I actually spelled out the words. And it's, <laughs> It's to the point now where I just I can't I can't handle the the texting and the technology and everything like that. I feel like it's just going over my head. And I went to school and I have a basically a technology degree, and it's just it's too much. And so going back to it now um, with your acting, are you do you have anything coming up that you want to talk about that you can that, or that you're allowed to talk about any roles that are coming up for you? I do. So um, a few of them I can't say too much about because they're in post-production. So one of those is a supporting role that I had in my first feature film. That's very exciting. And um, it is going to be sent to film festivals. As I said, it's in post-production right now. We wrapped at the end of August slash beginning of September. Another short film that I was a part of that was really fun and I enjoyed seeing the project when she sent it to me for my footage. It ended up turning out beautifully, but it's called Not Nothing and it made its debut premiere at a women's film festival in Beverly Hills at the end of September. And um that was very exciting for her. I was I really excited uh to, like I said to see it to see how it turned out and that um she the girl that starred in it or i'm sorry the woman that starred in it is the same person that wrote it and i was so glad that it came out how her vision wanted it to and um I have another thing that I filmed a trailer for that's going to be a series that's currently out being pitched to streaming services and um, networks. So hopefully going to be getting some good information about that. And then um, other than that, I just this past weekend wrapped doing another short film with the option to be a feature that's um, we have a film competition here in the DFW area. And I'm actually had the female lead in the one we just wrapped and then based on that a direct one of the directors that's directing another project in the um film competition was the male lead in it and uh he actually asked me if i would play one of the roles in his in his film as well so it's it's always fun to be on set and make those connections because like i said we just were talking and um funnily enough it was actually i have an 18 month old little girl and he was telling me the premise of his short that he was going to be submitting to the competition. And um, and he knows me personally anyway. But I was like, and they needed a baby for it. And I was like, well, I have a baby you can use. And he was like, 
that would be great if we can do that because now I don't have to try to find one. I was like, yeah, I mean, as long as it's written for a girl because she definitely already has her ears pierced. He was like, it is. We need a baby girl. I said, I got you. (laughs) So my baby is going to be making her first film debut as well. awesome teaching her early right to to follow in mom's footsteps right (laughs) but she's too cute to not at least try it plus i'm like um and you know there was no way my my family could have known because like i said none of them were really looking to take this avenue as a career path but i'm just like the earlier i can start her is i would rather her later in life say hey mom i don't want to do this than her try to get into it later if that makes sense, like I think it will be easier for her if people see her name now while she's young and continue to see it as she gets older, because um, it'll be easier to take it away than it will be to make it appear. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, you're spot on. I, part of me wishes I would have started in stand up and doing comedy and more improv things when I was in college than waiting till a year after I graduated college to pursue comedy as as a full-time career and that would be my message to anybody you know if you have a thought in your head about wanting to do something go out and do it and try it when you're young because you don't want to look back and think oh well what if what if i would have done that well you know what i mean so don't have the what ifs and just go for it if you have a dream chase it i mean yes It's not going to be the easiest road, but it will be a fun road. Yeah. And there's also a lot of self-discovery within doing that as well. Um, You know, just kind of jumping in and going after your dreams because sometimes you find maybe it's not what you actually want to do. Maybe you jump in and you're like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, But especially doing things like what you and I are passionate about, I would advise you to try to keep the negativity to a minimum because there's for every one person that's going to be positive with you about your passion. There's probably five that want to try to tear you down before you've even made something of yourself. So I just, for me personally, that has really pushed me to be Um, very self-motivated to be able to keep going and not even necessarily from a standpoint of, oh, well, I'll show you, but more so like you, if you're saying that to me, you clearly don't understand my passion. You have something in your life that you feel that passionately about. And I'm not sitting here saying the same thing to you about that. So, um, you know, we have to be able to set those boundaries with people as well. Cause I've boundaries is something I've really been working on. Um, for me personally. And so I found that once I've started setting those boundaries up and don't allow people to say those things, whether it's by not acknowledging it or saying, Hey, I'm not accepting what you're saying into my life. Um, is that it, it dwindles down yeah. as far as them, them being negative about it. So I, I, I could say that I used to get so mad when people would comment on my videos of my jokes when I was first starting out, like, oh, God, you're so not funny. I, that literally was a comment. You are so not funny. That was the entire comment. And I was I used to read them all and get upset with myself. Like, oh, well, maybe now what was wrong with that joke? I mean, everybody there was 
laughing. Why? Why? And then I was like, wait a minute, this is one person. I just told this joke to a room full of strangers and they all laughed. But this one yeah. person on the internet, now I'm not going to let him room. And now I just look at them and I laugh because yeah. one person actually commented on my YouTube and it literally just said, boo. They booed me through a comment and I was just <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Why did you waste your time? to? Well, I feel like bullies on the internet run rampant and I don't it's like everybody seems to be brave behind their computer screen and I'm just like if we could all say nicer things to each other whether we know each other or not um everybody would be in a more positive place thus making it a more positive world for everybody I agree (laughs) instead of instead of just constantly trying to knock each other down yeah, the keyboard warriors, as I call them, are getting out of control. And it's it's funny to me because I used to respond to them. But now, I just like I said, I just look at them and laugh. And I just think, like, wow, if you grew up when I grew, grew up, wow, English, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> growed up, yeah. If you grew up when I grew up, oh, my God. <laughs> if you grew up in the time that I did. You would have had to say that to somebody's face. Mm-hmm. And being a guy, I would have got blasted right in the face if I would have said that to somebody. But at the end of the day, we would have shook hands and walked away. I, I mean, I have a buddy of mine. We talk so much crap to each other when we see each other. And it, and at one point, it, it got a little out of hand. We ended up punching each other in the face. We hugged after it and went and got a beer. Like that was the end of the argument. Like in these keyboard warriors are just to the point where they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to say this. And now, oh, now I feel better about myself, but I don't have to see this person. So I'm fine. And one thing I will warn them about is your information is all over the Internet if you've made an account on anything. So maybe watch <laughs> you're saying stuff yeah. too because it can't be found and. It's just, it. I don't understand them. I don't. Um, but we are running down. I could feel like I could talk to you all day. We are running <laughs> down near the end of the episode here. Um, and I wanted to get this in here because my wonderful manager of the show, the Ride Home Rants podcast, uh, not Steve Joyner, but John Fitty Falcone, um, guy I've known since college, um, came up with this segment that we like to do at the end of every episode, and it's oh. called the Fast Fitty Five. Five okay. random questions from Fitty, and the kind of rapid fire. I don't like to tell people that. I know you're looking at me like, well, you never said what is going on. I don't like to mention this because I like to see their faces when they see these questions and hear these questions because they are the most random things I have ever seen in my life, and they are getting more and more random. Well, I'm ready. All right. So question number one, if you couldn't be an English teacher or actress, what would you be doing? Um, I would be a, a spiritual life coach. And in fact, um, I'm in a course to be able to do that as well. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of 
personal growth here recently and decided that that was kind of calling to me as well. So hoping to eventually move to that being my day job um, and um, helping people be more positive. Like I said, I'm putting more of that positivity out into the universe. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, that's the most normal question he is, he's put on this. Second one, cannolis, overrated or underrated? Underrated. I love cannolis. <laughs> I don't know who doesn't. Uh, that cannolis are just amazing. Uh, <laughs> best place you've gotten to visit for your acting career and why? Ooh, best place I've gotten to visit for my acting career. Um, I would say... Honestly, would be here in the DFW area because it's helped me discover places that I didn't know were around, whether it's someplace that I actually filmed on location or even just places driving by when I was on my way somewhere. Um, but yeah, just kind of helping me get to know the city that I'm in. Okay. Question number four. What is the best season, spring or winter? Ooh. I would probably have to say winter. And I think I say that because here in Texas, we don't get much of a winter. And in fact, it's November. And our definition of a winter here is to just have all four seasons in one day. Um so like it was 40 something degrees out this morning and I went out and walked my dogs earlier and it was 57 degrees and it's supposed to get up to 70 today and then it will go back downhill from there. So um, I have a deep appreciation for the winter because we don't get much of it. <laughs> oh, to be where you're at. Right now. <laughs> it was 21 degrees this morning when I woke up here in Ohio. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, 50 degrees. I'd be in heaven. Uh, question number five. And dear God, I'm going to try not to laugh when I read this question. Okay. <laughs> Who was the better Sesame Street character, Big Bird or Elmo? I was not ever really big into Sesame Street, but I have to go with Big Bird. Everybody's I and I I had several Big Bird stuffed animals when I was growing up. And when I was in college, I babysat for a family whose daughter liked to watch Sesame Street. So I've seen a little bit of it. But quite frankly, I if it were up to me, neither one of those even stands because um Cookie Monster and Oscar the Grouch are where it's really at. <laughs> <laughs> That was the best way to end that segment. It's just, no, no, you said no. I don't. <laughs> don't, I don't like having my options limited. <laughs> he, uh, some of the questions that he comes up with, it, it blows my mind to see where this, this man's mind is at half the time. And it's, <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. And I, they're getting more and more random. Do like, you get new questions for every guest? Yep. Okay. He, he, I will say though, I, he has some sort of infatuation with Big Bird. 
because for every man that I I've interviewed and been on the show, he asked the same question is if you could be anybody, it would, if, or if you could be, who would you rather be Larry bird or big bird? And it's just a big bird seems to be popping up a lot in these questions. (laughs) I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's definitely entertaining to me, but yeah, everybody gets a new set of questions and this is what he does. He sits and he thinks of random questions and, Maybe there's maybe there's something like truly yellow that always reminds him of Big Bird that's somewhere around his computer. So that's what always makes him think of Big Bird. (laughs) I don't know, because he's he's always in his car. He's always going. He's always traveling for his job that he does, too, as well. So I don't I don't know. It's it's funny. All things Big Bird. (laughs) Big Bird. Big Bird's where he's at. Uh, But. So, like I said, we are running down near the end of the episode. I give every guest this opportunity to as well. So the last minute here, anything you want to promote, anything, any message you want to get out there, the floor is yours, Ashley. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Ashley Lawson Actress, and that's A-S-H-L-I-E. You can also visit my website, AshleyLawson.com. Fun demo reels, pictures, behind-the-scenes pictures, um, as well as some clips from some of my previous work. Um, you can also find me on IMDb, at Ashley Lawson as well, and on Facebook at Ashley Lawson. So I'm everywhere except <laughs> Twitter. I don't I don't tweet. Don't tweet? No. I was into it in college, and then it was like when I graduated, it just I don't know. I don't I don't vibe well with Twitter. I, I use Twitter a lot. I can't say that I, that I don't tweet because I, I. A lot of people do, and I don't begrudge people that have it. I mean, I even have an account on there, but I don't. I don't ever do anything on it. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Because I mean, like I said, I, I sometimes some of the thoughts in my head when I'm home by myself need to go somewhere, and I figured the internet should be a good place to put those. Sometimes <laughs> put it all over Twitter, but. That is going to do it for this week's episode of the Ride Home Rants podcast. Ashley, I want to thank you for being on. This was a blast uh, talking to you and hearing your story and everything like that. And a lot of positive messages, which I'm so glad we had those in here. I try to at least have a couple positive messages into every show. Because like you said, we need to spread positivity, people. And if I could talk today, that would be great. Uh, But (laughs) that's good to do it. Once again, thank you, Ashley. As always, if you like the show, be a friend, tell a friend. If you didn't like the show, tell them anyways. They might like it just because you didn't. That's going to do it, and I will see y'all next week. The Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Dubby Energy. Energy drinks made for gamers, streamers, and podcasters alike. For gamers, streamers, and podcasters alike, go to the link in the description where you can find the best energy drinks out there. Less caffeine than a cup of coffee. Also, no jitters and no crash afterwards. Use the promo code Mike Bono and get yourself 10% off. 
Also, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by my favorite sponsor of the show, and that is Shankit Golf. Golf apparel made for the everyday golfer. We might not go out and shoot a six under par. We're probably going to shoot a six over par, but this is going to give us the gear that's going to help us rock it on and off of the course. Go to the link in the bio, use the promo code Mike Bono, and get yourself 10% off there as well.